0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Gay Men Going Deeper podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about all things personal development, mental health and sexuality. Today, your hosts are Michael Diorio and Matt Lansdale and myself Callum Brecken and collectively we have over 40 years of experience in the personal development world and if this is your first time listening we want to welcome you to the show we have we each have our own coaching practice but in today's podcast we are sharing all of our best stuff so today we are going to be talking about body representation and we're going to be exploring <clears throat> questions like What has been your your experience around body representation and body image in the media? How did that translate over into your experience in the gay community? Because I think that's super important. Uh, Do you actively work on changing your relationship to media and social media and how it affects you? And what, if any, are things that you try to do uh, to be part of the change around body representation in your own world? So those are kind of the questions we're going to be unpacking today. We'll continue these discussions on the last Thursday of every month. Inside the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout where you'll have your chance to share your own experience and they're always very popular. So make sure you come and check that out. This podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. If you enjoy what you're creating, you can support us by heading on over to our Patreon page and contribute to the show. That link is in the show notes. Or you can also subscribe to the early access option on Apple Podcasts and listen ads free and gain early access to episodes. All of your support helps us to continue making content for you and supporting our community, and we thank you in advance. Also, be sure to check out our attachment style quiz, which is in the show notes to find out what your attachment style is. Um, And you could get a free report on that. So that's in the show notes. And if you're looking to accelerate your personal development journey, check out our new coaching collection, learn how to heal and empower yourself at your own pace by getting instant access to over 45 premium personal development coaching videos created by us, as well as our healing your shame course and our building better relationships course, you get all of that in there. Just head on over to GayMenGoingDeeper.com for more information. Right, so before we jump into today's episode, I want to read a review that we have on Apple Podcasts. And if you've not already reviewed us an apple podcast go do it right now go to apple podcast go in there and scroll all the way to the bottom and give us a star rating because there is thousands of you out there and we only have i think like maybe 50 or 60 ratings so it's like come on i know you're out there i know you're listening uh so this is what t, t- american I want to say T. Merrigan because it's not a proper word. So T. Merrigan says, making me feel normal with five stars. I seriously believe that there is literally a podcast for everything. I love you guys. Taking topics that I felt I was the uh, one of very few that felt a certain way and turning that into knowing I am not alone. Thanks, guys. Oh, you're welcome. Yay. So, all right, let's jump into today's episode. I'm very, very excited because I got opinions and I got thoughts on body representation, especially in the media, and I got a lot of experiences. So the reason we're talking about this today is because recently... Sam Smith put out their music video, uh, the Calvin Harris produced disco anthem, I'm not here to make friends. And it's very like burlesque. For those of you who have not like watched it yet, it's very burlesque. Sam wears an outfit, that has like a corset and nipple, like course, like a corset and then like nipple tassels. Um, and I think it's like a jock strap. I love the music video personally. Um, and Sam who uses they them pronouns was attacked for, from many sides about the video, including from like inside our own community, which speaks to a lot of things that I think we need to discuss in the community around body image and body, you know, conversations. So I saw, uh, a comment on social media calling out naysayers in the kind of community saying that like if Sam had been a stereotypical fit person that you know all the queens would be yelling like yes like queen we love you but because Sam is a thicker person and represents a different version out of the norm in the community people were you know, attacking them. And so it just brought up all these things inside of me. And I was like, we need to have a conversation around this. And so we're really focusing today's, uh, conversation on, you know, the overall representation of bodies in the media. It's not just going to be the LGBTQ, it's not just going to be gay, but kind of everything and our experiences with that. Um, and so what other notes did I have about this? Oh, I also said if you're constantly fed only one version of what uh, you can be, where does that leave room for everyone else? And like the majority of people is everyone else who usually don't fit into that kind of stereotype. And the same can be said for many things. But today we're just going to be focusing on the body representation because this can go into many different categories as to like representation in many different ways. But we're just going to be focusing on uh, the body adi adi today. So the first thing that we're going to be starting off with is what has been your experience around body representation and body image in the media and i think i want to go to matt first because i know we've talked about this kind of in a multiple <clears throat> episodes but i'm really interested to hear what you have to say and your experience around this question
1: Hmm. yeah okay um yeah, as you guys know, like I I've, I've talked very openly about this on several of my of my interview episodes and and these these trio episodes as well. Um a lot of my my conditioning and what I inherited from the media came around um masculinity and muscularity. Those are the two things that I really bought hard into and I um I, it's it's interesting because i've still been unpacking this around you know what does it mean to me to be masculine um the the muscularity stuff has significantly decreased i haven't really worked out or been attached to that part of my nature <clears throat> for probably three years. And I grew up around, uh, around this, I was very much entrenched in the culture of muscularity. And, you know, both my parents were bodybuilders growing up, I've disclosed that before, and they were very, very into fitness. And I would go to fitness shows, I would see bodybuilders. Um, My mom would always bring me to the gym. Um, So I kind of I saw this growing up. And uh, it's taken me a long time the last three years just to kind of really heal my relationship with my body and not view muscularity at the top of the chain. And it's interesting because now I, I, I see my, I, I have more love for my body now and I feel more sexy now than I did when I was the most fit and, the, and had the most muscle muscles because I, have learned to not identify with the images I see. And I've had to basically um, unfollow a lot of um, the pages and the accounts that I was following that were like in training my brain that this is the only view of attractive. Um, But the masculinity stuff for me is really and they are kind of they are kind of similar i'll say because i do still have some conditioning around masculinity meaning stature right muscle size these sorts of things um i see i see a guy that's taller to be more masculine than a guy that's not and i see a guy that's more muscular to be more masculine than a guy who isn't um but i'm i'm definitely shedding a lot of this conditioning and you know growing up in, in, and being gay and not feeling safe. This was a very common experience for me. And I'm just coming into a lot of this awareness now around how truly unsafe I felt. And what I realized is that image and, and specifically muscularity and masculinity were the two things that I used to create safety for myself. So I I viewed being feminine as unsafe because people I would be outed, I would be seen as gay. And then I would, there was potential that I would get bullied or I would be a a victim of violence. So I almost view my journey of developing a muscular body and being very athletic and very fit as kind of like an armor or like a protective shield around me. So then I would be um, considered safe amongst uh, like heterosexual men. And then I would feel desired amongst gay men. So the desire and the safety were being feeling desired and feeling safe were two of my motivators for buying into this body representation and this, you know, how the, the media shows, um, these these two things that i'll say for myself muscularity and masculinity were the two things that are really entrenched in body representation in our community and and just in in the media in general so it's taken me a long time to do this work and i'm still on the journey but um i feel like i've done some pretty good deconditioning i call it uh, around this and uh, i'll speak more to my journey and the other four questions or the other three questions but i'll leave it there for now yeah
0: thanks for that matt Uh, Mm -hmm. i like that you brought those two things together and you're like this came from this side and this came from this side and in this space i found that safety Um, yeah i think a lot of people are going to resonate with that i'm curious what you have to say michael
2: yeah it's a lot of the same right like masculinity is very much tied to muscularity at least that's what the media would have us mainstream media would have us believe for most of history that is starting to change now in small ways. And I think that's the work that we have to do is start to decondition that. But for me, you know, in many ways, I do fit the stereotype today. That wasn't always the case, but I do want to acknowledge that I I fit that stereotype in in many, many ways in the gay community, but in my own way, I went through this in the, in the past. So, um, you know, when I was a kid going back to like um, elementary school and high school and even university, uh, you know, shorter, skinnier, not athletic at all. Um, and so when I moved to Toronto and then became like entrenched in this gay community, this big thrown into this big gay community, I remember thinking at the time like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to go to the gym. <laughs> like that was the first thing. Like oh shit, like seeing all these people. Like if I want, if I want a partner, if I want to be loved and seen and, and be part of this community, that I have to get a gym membership. Where do I do that? And so I was in my what early twenties at the time. And it's literally the definition of trying to fit in. Like, oh, that's what I have to be. Here are all these people. They must be happy. They must be doing it right. I'm doing it wrong, right? That's kind of the narrative. And so I did. I ended up getting a gym membership and doing all that. Now, I will say this. My transformation has been... I still go to the gym. I love it. But it the, the reasons for and my just not justification but my motivation that's what i'm looking for my motivation is very very much differently now we're very different now mm-hmm. so for me it's not an issue today personally that said i do witness this firsthand with a lot of people in my circle my partner i see i see the effect that uh you know representation in body and race and otherwise has on him my friends and especially with my clients so i think that you know i can Certainly, empathize with it, and and I see the the detriment that it has on our community, and it's really a shame because the mainstream media has done a huge disservice, to not just to the gay community but to women as well, to a lot of people, um, because you know they dictate the standard for what we consider attractive and normal. Like they normalize certain bodies, right? And you could look at it as manipulation. Now, back in the day when it was like you know, mainstream media was like you know a few networks and such, it was really that power is in the hands of a very select few who decided what was coming onto our screens, which is the era that I grew up in. I think you guys as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had like, I don't know, a select channels that you had on your TV and whoever was in charge of programming got to decide what we watched and what was attractive. And so for me, that was definitely going to be, yeah, muscular, masculine, whatever that even means now, white um, men. And, and that was kind of glorified this, this muscularity, the, everything, which it still is today. But I think the difference today is that we have social media and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. There's pros and cons there. So, yeah, I think that the the damage that mainstream media has done to our communities is a shame, but also I think what we're going to talk about today is how to flip that script a bit. So I'm excited to talk more
0: about that. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Callan? Well, I just kind of had this thought that might be like a little bit of an offshoot, but I had this thought when you were talking that, you know, it was always the sample sizes, like, you know, the modeling was always sample sizes on TV. Everybody was like sample size. They were always like, you know, small, petite women and, and you know, muscular men and like bigger guys were the funny guys. They could never be like, they were not the desirable guys. They weren't the main characters. They were always like the comedians. Um, but then I had this thought come in about how social media is taking over and that effect that, you know, why are people so angry about, you know, this representation happening? And i'm wondering if it's because all the people who bought into it who put in all that work are now pissed off being like well i had to do all this work why don't you have to do all this work that i had to do to like get my body into a certain way so that just kind of popped into my mind and i've never thought of that before but i was like huh i wonder so just mm. just uh awesome. just a wonder that i'm happening uh wow. having um so My experience around body representation in the media was the same as probably, yeah, you guys. It's like sample sizes, everybody's like looks a certain way. Um, And growing up, I also did when I was much younger, my kind of early 20s, I did a lot of like background work in like the TV world in Vancouver and just all the actors, like the main actors. I remember, I remember so vividly all the female leads were just so stick thin. Like it was like, are you okay, stick thin? Um, Because that's what everybody sold. Everybody sold like you have to look like, to be the leading lady, you had to look a certain way. You had to be this person. And I think because it was, you know, the select few deciding what they liked, which, you know, is straight white men, especially back in the day, they're like, oh, I like a skinny woman. I want her to look like this. So that's what they cast. That's what they put out there. That's what everybody was told that they had to do because that's what the desire was for that select group of people. Um, And I think with the invention of social media, it allowed a lot of that to open up and change. And then we could see different things in like celebrityism, and representation in celebrityism has been changing is to be like, you don't need to fit this mold. It's about the energy and the vibe you bring and like what you're giving to different people. And that's really important. And I think that that's why we're having the conversation today because I grew up overweight. Like I grew up, I I think I mentioned this a couple of times, but I grew up you know around the 200 pound mark around i was about 12 14 when i kind of topped out in that that age range because my parents had gone through like a really messy divorce and i guess and my dad was really unhealthy eater um and just kept crap in the house and so that like i just didn't learn to eat healthy things and like i also wasn't modeled like oh you should go and work out and this and that my dad had like the beer gut like the santa claus kind of like dad bod beer gut but like an unhealthy amount. Um, and so that's kind of what I grew up with in my real world, but then the media was saying that I had to be this other thing, but because I didn't know the tools to change anything, I just kind of went with the flow. Um, and of course, you know, growing tall changed that and moving in with my mom, when my dad kicked me out, moving in with my mom, she was like a healthy, more vegetarian based eater. And so just naturally the age that I was. Um, around 16, 17, like I was still in that range where my body was still developing. So like a lot of that weight did come off me naturally, because I was just eating healthier and doing more healthy things. Um, But looking at the media, I think for me, I remember watching queer as folk when I was really young. And that to me was the first time that I saw us like gay men in the quote unquote media. And I was like, and they were all Fit like they were all fit guys, like not one of them was overweight in any regard. And they made fun of what was it? It was, um, there was Emmett and Michael and the other guy, Justin, Ted, Ted, Brian of Ted. Ted. And like, because all of the you know, Justin's the twink, Brian's the god, like the beautiful god, but he, you know, but Ted, they always made fun of Ted. And I was like, but he's not big at all. And I was like, <laughs> And I'm like, like, this makes no sense to me. Like, he's literally the same size as all of them. Um, But he kind of got, like, that shtick in the media. And I was like, okay, so obviously gays aren't allowed to be big people. Um, And that's right when I was going through that, like, large phase. And I was just like, well, I'm fucked because, like, (laughs) this is never going to be me. So I'm glad that now things are changing. Things are shifting. But that's kind of what I saw in the media back in the day. And so now taking that, what we just kind of talked about in what we saw growing up and leading into this next part is how did that translate over to your experience in the gay community? I'm really interested because this is this one question we could probably talk about for the entire hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I'll throw it to you, Matt, to start things off.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, geez. This was my Achilles heel in the gay community. I think I... I was very validated uh, growing up for being attractive and uh, I bought in hard into that. And I struggled with low self-worth from a very young age. And I, I filled the void of not having intrinsic self-worth with external validation. And that was, geez, up until probably four years ago. And I I was addicted to, yeah, people appreciating, adoring my body, um, liking my photos. I would, I would intentionally create thirst traps to get attention. Um, that whole thing. So I, I really fell in, in hard to this. So I think, you know, the gay community, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm speaking of the gay community, but this happens in for all human beings, in my opinion. Um, the gay community has bought in extremely hard to your body equals your worth right it's for for a lot of gay men i see this as it's and it's very problematic um but like i said i also see this with i would say 30 percent of my of my male clients are heterosexual and they struggle with the same thing and i think where it comes from is porn right a lot of us as men especially in this era this generation we grew up with porn being the primary influence of developing our sexuality and our relationship with our body, because, and especially if we didn't have parents that felt comfortable talking about this stuff with us. So I think that that, that influence of seeing people in porn that have, you know, big dicks and muscular bodies and they're tall and um, these sorts of things. I think that really influences how, we see and then we see people being validated and valued for that and i think um you know it took me a long time to do this work to get to a place where i had to like turn off the taps of of all of all external validation i couldn't just do a little bit and you know i had to really fully shut, shut it off and that was my trip to asia so i stopped i wasn't on social media really i wasn't posting anything i wasn't having sex i wasn't getting any validation for my body and that was my that was 90 for 95% of my validation and my worth was coming from that. So I went through a really dark period where I didn't feel worthy at all and I didn't know how to feel worthy. And I um but then eventually over time I just started to recognize like, you know, what actual where where worth actually comes from, right? Inside of myself. And it's a con a continuous stream of energy that's that's coming. And I think we block it by looking outside of ourselves, right? As soon as we take our attention, we push it out side of ourselves. We, we, we cut off the flow, um, to that in, in, intern or the internal validation. And, um, so yeah, it, 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 took a lot of consciousness and now, you know, it's inter- interesting because I'm, there's a, still a part of me that's a little bit activated by, by this. And I think because I see the futility and like, it's very frivolous in our culture, in the gay culture where, um, it activates me because it's like I I want I want there to be more I want there to be more substance in our community you know and I feel like you know seeing people constantly posting this this stuff and you know and other gay men falling into those thirst traps and and I don't I, again I don't want to say there's anything wrong with it but if that's the only source there's something wrong with it right we I think it's still important to have and I always I strive for fifty percent external and 50% internal validation because they're both extremely beautiful. But when we have 95, five external, internal, it, there's a problem, right? It's, it means that we're, um, we're thirsty for attention and, um, and our, our main fourth, you know, stream of, of worthiness is coming from our ego, right. From what people think about us. And it, it took, it, you know, one, the, my the main motivator to doing the deep inner work that I did to get to this place is, the realization that everyone else had my power right when 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 i was reliant on external validation that meant that everyone that was validating me had my power over how i felt about myself right that simple realization was enough fire inside me to say fuck that i don't want that anymore right i want to learn how to do it from inside myself right so and now if i do post uh you know a little bit of a scandalous photo which i like to do once in a while cuz it's fun um i'm not attached to getting the validation from that right so there's a difference there and i and i can feel it usually um within our community when somebody is 100% reliant on that and at first i was very activated by it and i would be very judgmental and now what i do when I see that in our community is I'll just hold my hand on my heart and I'll just send love to that person because that's, that's essentially what they're looking for. They're looking to feel loved and to feel seen and to feel valued. And so that's what I will do instead of liking the photo and dropping a bunch of, you know, fire emojis and, and, you know, saying how hot you are, I'll just send them energetic love because I I really truly believe for myself, that's what I was looking for. I just wanted to be seen. I wanted to be appreciated. I wanted to feel feel sexy and all these things and um there's nothing wrong with it but there's um it leads to suffering in my opinion it leads to suffering because as soon as the likes stop rolling in you need to post another picture to get more right it's like it's almost like this addiction right so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah wow i think that what you just like that whole thing what you just said it was like so powerful and beautiful man like that whole I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that because I think a lot of people still live in that world where it's like this external validation is how I am seen. It's how I'm valued. It's how, it's how I know I'm alive. Am I alive? Here's a photo of me. Remind me I'm alive. And like, yeah. if I have a beautiful body, then that is going to get more of that. And so then I'm going to get validated more from that. Totally. Um, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, well, what about you? yeah
2: saying? same I would say that there's a lot Matt, Matt said so eloquently my my experience um having been on both sides of it so earlier I was saying that when I first kind of came into this big gay culture Mecca of Toronto one of the first things was like oh shit I need to go to the gym um and I did and I got I got I got the body the one that we're supposed to i'm using air quotes for people who can't see me um you know the one the thing we're supposed to the thing we're supposed to look like i did it and you know exactly like like matt had said and which we talk about very much in depth in our healing your shame course we have a whole module on this um filling that void right Mm -hmm. filling the void of that external validation um so that was me (laughs) i was like look i did it here everyone like look accept me love me see me do me all of the things Um, And it worked, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, just like Matt was saying, it put me in this like hamster wheel of like having to perpetually do that. Um, And of course, you know, it's exhausting. So fast forward to today, that's not where I am. Although I still love posting a good thirst trap and I still love the external validation that comes with it. And I still do it all the fucking time because it's fun for me. But, but the difference is um, it's like before I remember like posting it and like being glued to my phone to see like who's commenting, who's liking, how many likes is it, you know, like just in this almost obsessive way. Whereas now it's like I posted and then just kind of like walk away, of course I'll check and stuff, but it's a very different energy. It's kind of like I'm doing it. Yes. Of course. I love the validation. It's always nice. I'm not gonna lie about that, but it's not, it's not necessary. It's kind of like, I already love myself and my body And if you want to love it, great. I accept your love too, but I don't need it to already love it. Like it's already there for me. And that's, that's been the work that's been, it's, it's not been easy. It's taken me a long time to get there. A lot of self-worth work, you know, and realizing exactly like what we said, your worth is not attached to your body at all. It's also not attached to your income or your status or your relationship or anything like that. It's nothing external. It's always internal. Um, but we get caught up in all of these different stories and, and body in the gay community is definitely one of the probably probably the biggest one that we that we attach our worth to so again not to say that all of these things are are bad I mean like posting the the third structure right? like it's it can be fun I enjoy it' I'll, you know anyone who follows me on my social knows that I, I do it often and I also get a lot of I also get a lot of hate for that too, right like shouldn't I be what do people say like oh shouldn't i know better than to do that and you know i'm triggering people i'm like yes let yourself be triggered by all means please do mm-hmm. uh, i invite you to be triggered by my content please so yeah but but it is different and i can only do that now from a from from the work that i've done in realizing that michael the man the person the human is different than michael the body and my body's going to change and all of our bodies change right they all transform i'm aging like i'm turning 40 this year and you know one one of the things i'm seeing already not the 40s old, by the way. 40s is very young, in my opinion. Um, but in our culture, 40, the 30 is seen as, what, they, what do they call it? Gay death. That's ridiculous, but I don't believe it so at stupid. all. stupid. I know, right? And now now 40s get at them. Surely enough, it's going to be 50 one day. But what I am noticing is, I do see this. Before, when I was younger, you know, I always heard that, oh, yeah, gay culture is obsessed with youth, right? Muscular bodies, youthful bodies. And already, I'm starting to be like, huh, there is, there there is something to that and i'm not even old but i can already see it i can already sense it um but it's there so i guess my experience with the gay community in, in this particular topic has been like the full the full spectrum of it like doing it with a you know going to the spectrum like 95 to 100 percent validation to now more 50 50 but hey you know what? I, I don't want lie to anyone like i fucking love it Like Mm -hmm. you post something, you look good. I feel good in my body. I'm like, look how great, you know, I I feel good about this. And for some people, it's going to come across as very, I don't know, arrogant or vain. And I think that that in in and of itself is its own story that you need to look at, right? Like, why is that triggering you? Maybe there's some work there to do as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and again, to say that not everyone who's posting their selfies at the gym is someone who has insecurity or low self-worth. I was like that person who was deeply, deeply insecure and that's why I was doing it. But now I'm not to say that I don't have insecurities. I do. I'm human, but it's not at the same level. And there is, I think my my biggest um, learning has been that I found a pretty good balance with it. Like I, I like where I'm at with it. Like I'm, I'm in a good place and I feel good about it. Yeah. Not that I'm like perfect and cured and I have hundred percent self-worth mm-hmm. all the time and all these things. I don't want to like mislead you. I have yeah. my moments of course, but I can bring myself back and I know, the motivations and intentions, if that makes any sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's very interesting listening to your guys' story because like I have like such a, I feel like I have such a different story of it because I, I did grow up like super overweight and like heavy. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so my experience in the gay community was just like, oh, well, I can't, I'm never going to have any of that. Like that's just not obtainable. And I was very ugly duckling syndrome, like this fat ginger kid who everybody made fun of. And so I carried a lot of that as I continued to grow up. And then when I was kind of in my my late teens, early 20s, I did have the growth spurt so that I did get taller. That helped moving out, moving in with my mom, eating healthy. That helped. But I never felt like I could go to the gym like I was just like oh but that's like gone and passed like I can't do that that's not that's not a part of me I'm not welcome there I don't belong there, because I thought like there was this mentality of like, Oh, you have to be a certain person to go or you have to act a certain way to go or like I just didn't feel comfortable and um eventually in my 20s I did have a friend and she was a bodybuilder um but she wasn't like she wasn't ripped or anything crazy and she was just lovely and bubbly and we met through mutual friends and I like kind of mentioned I wanted to go and so she's like oh I'll take you and it was one of these like industrial gyms because I grew up in the suburbs so it was one of these industrial gyms like in the like construction-y like warehouse area so it was like huge and it wasn't very busy and I felt like safe to like do things there um And so I finally started going to the gym and I was doing it for me because I didn't want anybody to see me. Uh, But eventually I was doing it for like vanity reasons. And so I did lose enough weight, but I could never quite lose. Like I always had that baby fat over my stomach. Like I never, ever had abs. Like I've always, there's always been a blanket over it. Um, And finally it got to this one point where I did this contest, like this gay contest uh, for modeling in the Vancouver gay community. And I ended up winning. And that was like, on one hand, a huge boost to me of being like, I I finally did it. And the first thing the manager, the contract manager said to me, who was signing me to the modeling agency, the first thing he said was like, oh, but we can't send you anywhere until you get apps. That was the first thing. And I just worked like the last two to three years working on this and so that just like I like crumbled I was like "Fuck it, it's I like it I'm never going to fit that picture that's never going to be me and I just let it all go I just said fuck it I'm not going to try anymore because if that if I get to where I think I'm good and I'm still not good enough then fuck it and so I stopped going to the gym (laughs) I was like never again this isn't for me I was doing this for all the wrong reasons Cause I had bought into that gay community, that gay world. Um, and then fast forward, like a few more years into kind of like my mid to late twenties. And I kind of really discovered the bear community and like my whole world just changed. And talking about like porn earlier with Matt, what you said, it was so different of like, Oh, these bodies are celebrated in a totally different way. And I started exploring there and I just found like this camaraderie and this love <clears throat> that people had. And there was all sorts of shapes and sizes. And I was like, why can't the whole community be like this? Like, why can't all the community be like, like the bear community where it's like, there's all shapes and sizes, but like everybody celebrated, everybody's beautiful. And everybody just likes to have a good time. And it really blew my mind. And until I found that world, I had just kind of given up on myself. I was just like, whatever. Like I've never had abs. I've never had big muscles. I've never had any of this. Uh, the only thing that I did have was my height. And so even still now today, I don't like, I don't believe people are looking at me. Like I've never had that validation. I've never had people looking at me and me thinking, Oh, I'm being validated for how I look or my body. That's never crosses my mind. That's never my first instinct. Um, and so it's interesting to hear your story, Matt, of like how that was, how you got that validation. And that's how you built that. Cause I had the opposite of like, oh, that's never going to be how it happens. So now when it does happen, it's like, I have blinders on and I can't see it. Like, I remember going out to the bar and my friend being like, everybody's looking at you. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, you're crazy. And it's so ingrained in me because of my youth and my childhood that it's just like, you're crazy. This is impossible. And so mm. I can understand how people can get into that world where it's just like, no matter what you do, you never think you're going to be there because it's all up here. And, like, I still actively work on it because it's a journey and it's a process. Um, And I don't think I'm ever going to be that ripped guy or go and, like, have the big muscles maybe I'll reserve that for like my late daddy years of like (laughs) moving into my 50s or something. I'll be like, I'll go on that journey. Um, But, you know, growing up and looking at, you know, queer as folk and these other things and being like, oh, well, I guess I don't fit in there. Not to mention like how this portrays in so many other parts of our community, like the, you know, the BIPOC community and their experience, like we're coming from obviously like a white standpoint of like what we saw. So I can only imagine other people's, but this is, you know, been our journeys Mm -hmm. and our stories. Um, But it's just, it excites me now to see people like Sam Smith. And that's why I want to do this episode. It excites me to see that and that they're just out there living their best life and being like, fuck y'all, I'm going to do me and I'm going to change. And I think that social media gave the people The general population the power to say we don't want to see just this there's a space for everything and everyone but we want to see what we've not seen because the real world the out there world is so magically beautifully different and comes in all shapes and sizes across the spectrum that i think finally being able to see that people are going, yes, I want this. And that's why it's gaining the traction. And this is where I come back to that thought I had earlier of like, but this pushback, this anger is still there of people being like, how dare you? And that's what I'm really curious about is to like, where is that coming from? Like, why is like, you know, why Sam Smith getting shamed but if Lizzo were to go out there and this is still new like Lizzo couldn't have done this ages ago but if Lizzo did the same thing she would be like yes all over the place and be like yes they're amazing but Sam Smith and it's just like is there this internal gay male energy where it's just like oh no this is the unacceptable thing we've accepted these other things over here but this we draw the line at why Mm -hmm. can't we celebrate that so Yeah, I just went on a big tangent there, Um, (laughs) but I'm interested, I am interested in that. um, But we'll move on to the next question of, uh, do you actively work at changing your relationship to media and social media and how it affects you? And Matt, I know you were saying that like you had to do a big pullback. So
1: I'm curious as to like what exactly you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, well, that's the work. I really think that's the work. Of the deconditioning, because most of us are trying to change our body, instead of changing our relationship to the things that are telling us to change our body. And, you know, when you're talking, actually, throughout this whole episode, I'm having like waves of of emotion, like I feel like crying. And it's the same emotion that I was feeling like a year ago, when we talked about this. And it came up also in my episode with uh, on talking about pretty privilege. And it just there's a lot of sadness around this for me. And it's, I think it's still, it's still lingering in my body clearly because it's bringing up emotional responses. And there's a lot of sadness around the fact that as human beings, we, we bully our bodies, right? We use our minds to bully our bodies because it's like, When was the last time you checked in with your body to ask if your body wanted to look this way or if your body wanted to go to the gym? Right. It's like it's a mental construct that we attach to that we think we have to be a certain way. And even with sex, right, engaging in sex, how many times do we do things because our mind thinks it would be hot to do it? But then when you're doing it, your body's like screaming at you to stop doing it because it doesn't feel good. Right. Or something like there's always this kind of this inner conflict. And that's where the sadness is coming from within me. It's, it's constantly trying to change our body is a form of bullying. Right. And, you know, a lot of personal trainers out there, and I was one of them would disagree with that. They'd be like, no, you know, it's not good to be overweight or it's not healthy or it's not this, or it's not that. And, and all this stuff. But I'm like, if you're happy and you feel good in your body, then, then celebrate that, you know. and the same thing with for women. I know we have some some female audience, I'll speak to them. It's like constantly wearing makeup and having to doll yourself up and look perfect all the time. What message is that sending to your natural face, right? That your natural face isn't good enough to be presented to the world. You know, so these sorts of things are really important for us to be exploring and um but I'll speak I'll speak more, you know, to the to the actual question about changing the relationship to media or social media. I think I'll share with you guys what I did and that that helped me. And I would say this was probably the second hardest transformation I've ever had to do in my life was change this relationship to my body. The first hardest transformation being codependency. That was the hardest transformation I've ever had to make. Um, but one of the things that I had to get really clear about was the intention behind why I'm posting. And that took a lot of self honesty, right? Like, why am I posting these thirsty pictures or why am I posting this picture? Get honest with yourself. If you still want to post it after you realize that you're posting it to get attention, go hard. But at least you're being honest with yourself and you have awareness around it because then you can start to change the behavior. Um, I stopped following all and any accounts that were glorifying one specific type of body, which was muscular, um, white. (laughs) tall, like these sorts of things. I just, I stopped following all of them and actually any account that, that, that was promoting that solely. Like I'm, I'm very sex positive, but if there's an account that's only posting thirsty photos, I don't think that's wholesome, right? Because there's, there's all aspects of our being physical just happens to be one of them. Um, But I've also come, I've run into some issues with this because uh, when I opened my account on, on my personal uh Instagram, it's inundated with with this <clears throat> and i don't follow any of these accounts so there must be an algorithm that is showing that i'm a gay man and that this is what i want to see because i fit into that category right so that's ext- that that's the that's media working against us using the algorithm of who we are because our community is obsessed with this stuff so i get lumped into it Right. So I actually don't go through my search thing on that page because it's just not what I want. Right. And yes, I find these guys attractive and sometimes I'll jerk off to them and whatever. But I don't want that to be the predominant experience that I have when I open my socials. Right. Um, So uh, that's one of them. Um, I had to take time away. So when I say I went to Asia and I took a year away, like I really mean it. Like I didn't I didn't engage in any of this stuff. I took some time to reset everything because as we know human beings psychologically, when they're, when we're in habit, like habitual patterns of, of conditioning, we need to remove ourselves from the environment, from the stimulus, from all these things in order to be able to make behavior change. So, um, taking time away from these things was really important. Um, so that meant I didn't, I stopped watching porn and that was actually a beautiful transformation for me because, since I was younger I was I was overly governed by my visual sense and I'm very visually governed anyway so I started to realize that I could only come to orgasm if I was if I had either a visual to look at or I was fantasizing in my mind and creating visual which means that I wasn't embodied right I was very mentally governed sexually so I had to learn how to become embodied in and feel pleasure in my body right and so I started practicing things like masturbating um, to the the sensation of masturbation and to being within my body energetically, which was really hard at first, like I couldn't do it at first, I was like, this feels weird. And I would always default back into porn or images. Um, So that helped me a lot limiting my porn watching. And I, I don't say that I don't watch porn, I'll maybe watch it once every two weeks. And that's like, that's a treat for me kind of thing, but I find it has a very toxic impact on me personally. I'm not speaking for other people, but um, so I try my best not to, to engage with it. Um, And the last thing I'll say here is placing more value on the other aspects of who we are. So, You know, you look at the four containers of of the human being, we have the spiritual, we have the mental, we have the emotional, we have the physical. So if we're, if we're overdoing in one area, the other areas will be, will be impacted, right? So if we're governed 90% by our physical, then, you know, these other parts of our nature don't get valued and validated. Uh, so I started to try my best to lead with, with things. And, and I would, I would communicate to men that were objectifying me or sending me, um, you know, things where it would just be about my body. I would say things like, you know, it would be, it would feel nice to be valued or validated for the the creations I put into the world, like my work. You know what I mean? These sorts of things, and just setting that boundary, like I don't want to be objectified just for my body, um, because there's other aspects to me. And then what happened was that I started to to respect my own boundary, and I started to see that in others. All right, and I started to value people based on their energy and their brain right like being a sapiosexual and a demisexual like i am aroused by someone's ideas and brain and and who they are emotionally and heart-centered and these sorts of things so but i wasn't always that way or at least i wasn't leading with that so this work that i'm describing that i did and using some of these tips they actually helped me become more sexually and spiritually mature because i wasn't overdoing in this one area i created um I guess, wholesomeness in, in all four chambers of, of who I am and who I identify other people to be as well. So, and I think that's important to note because it's like, we can only really see in others what we've become to see in ourselves. So if I'm not actually noticing my, how, how beautiful my emotional and my intellectual and my spiritual self is, it's going to be really hard for me to notice that in other people too. Right. So I had to learn how to stop putting so much emphasis on my body and put it into these other domains as well. And then it allowed me to also put those, put that emphasis on other people. So yeah, this was a challenging one for me and it's, it was a very, and it was quite an emotional journey moving through a lot of this stuff. There was a lot of grieving and a lot of, um, forgiveness because I, was a big fat bully to my body and like it was unbelievable like and i still can be like that i can still fall into that that place and it stems from shame it stems from perfectionism which is an extension of shame and um but yeah now i can say you know i can say that i've really learned how to love my body in all of its in all of its forms yeah nice that's beautiful Mm -hmm. man And thanks
0: for those like practical tips, like the real world, what you did to, to help Mm -hmm. you. So Michael, what about, what about you? What is, what journey have you gone on in regards to like your social media?
2: Yeah. So first something Matt said that I want to talk about, which is interesting. I resonate a lot with that, Matt. I think it's interesting because I, I, have gone through a similar journey where now I do love my body And the way. I like to think about it when people do objectify me. And I've said on this podcast before, I like being objectified. So I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit different than than you guys, but I'll say this, I think of it as like, if you're going to objectify me for like anything about my appearance, not just my body, then like, you're only getting a quarter of what Mm -hmm. I'm all about. And that's on you, right? Like if you want to take only the quarter and walk away, fine. But like, if you stay, you're going to get a much more complex, deep, interesting, colorful, fun experience but which is you know i use 25 percent going back to your quarters right the, the emotional the mental and the spiritual because i am you know all of those things and i i think it's interesting that i think a lot of guys will judge let's look at it like the analogy of a book right the book the the appearance is the cover of the book does it have a pretty cover does it have a nice title and then you can just look at it and not open the book but like with me and with a lot of people out there. There is so much more in the book. It's not just the cover, right? So that's, that's why I like to think about it. And then coming from the place of, of loving your body, it's interesting. I'll post those kinds of photos because I love my body, but people will say, oh no, you must hate your body. You must be so insecure and so vain. So like, (laughs) where? that's why I tell these people, like I'll never win either. I don't post Mm -hmm. it at all or I do. And then I'm being vain and insecure. So like, where, where is the, like, where, where do you find the balance? So Mm -hmm. I like to go at it with, with peeps on my Instagram. Um, anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> let me answer the question
0: <laughs> that's just yes. I, like the kelly clarkson <laughs> song just came to my head have you heard the one where she's like she sings all the things like if you're this you can't be that if you, you can't win yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that went. just reminded me of that i was like yeah it's true Yeah, it's true
2: <laughs> yeah i post a half naked selfie and it's because i hate myself i like, actually know it's because i love my body and i'm proud of it yeah. okay so uh, let's talk about social media this is perfect good segue. so yes, the answer is I do very very much actively um manage how I manage that relationship. So we all know we've done podcasts about it that social media is a problem in many ways it has a deep harming impact it can have a deep harming impact to a lot of people, especially in this particular uh, topic appearances and body positivity. however, I'm not gonna I think I think it's easy. We can have many conversations shitting all over social media about how it's bad. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I'm sure how we use it will change and I'm sure the different platforms will change, which is a good thing. But until then, I advocate fully for taking 100% responsibility for how I use it, right? And so that could be, you could, what that looks like is lots of different things. Matt had a great example of a cleanse. I regularly do a cleanse. Um, in fact, now these days, I don't really just follow people willy-nilly. Like I'll, I'll take a good look at their page and say, like, yeah, okay, does this does this vibe with me? If so, then I'll follow. I don't just follow blindly. I don't yeah. do follow for follow. I don't believe in that. Um, another thing I'll do is if I'm scrolling, I'm just kind of scrolling through, and there's something that doesn't feel good to me, I'll notice that, like, oh, this doesn't, like, I don't, this doesn't feel good. And if that's the case, then I'll stop following it after you know a while because i'm like yeah kind of like matt was saying if it's all one type of not just body but even just one message like I, i don't know i'm a gemini you gotta you gotta get me on all kinds of levels here but if it's just like really flat surface level one message one way or another then i'm just i find it boring for me personally so off it goes um so yeah, that's something that I like to do. And I also believe in not policing what people post because it goes against my value of like sovereignty. <laughs> I think people have the right to post what the fuck they want, leave them alone. You don't have to follow them, unfollow, mm-hmm. right? Just off you go. Now, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not saying that what people post is correct. There's a lot of hate out there. Again, I, I'm not here to like say everyone on social media is doing the right thing. There's a lot of trash shit out there, in my opinion, and they are doing it wrong, in my opinion. But my options are I can go wrestle them to the ground and make them stop, which historically for me has never worked. Or I could just avert my eyes elsewhere and give my attention, my focus, my social media viewing, you know, real estate to things that do matter and, and uh, accounts that that are more aligned with me or more body positive. <clears throat> And I want to say this as well, when it comes to social media, one thing that I have to remind myself when I'm kind of going through and I'm slipping into that, you know, a look at that body, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to say, I don't know the statistic for real. So this is just shooting off the top of my head. I'm going to say like 90% of these are enhanced images. They are not an accurate representation of the truth. If it's not a filter, which we all use filters. If it's not that, then it's, like there are so many AI apps and apps that make you look skinnier, make you look younger, take away your lines, take away your blemishes. Like they are out there. So what we're looking at is not real. It's mm-hmm. it's an illusion, right? So mm-hmm. the sooner I remind myself of that, like I'm, what I'm looking at is not a real thing here. This is just, I'm looking at illusion. And then I'm using that illusion to weaponize, as a weapon against myself, like, what am I doing, right? Like, I just kind of yeah. have to constantly remind myself, this isn't real. Um, even if it's pretty, I can say, hey, you know, this is really, you know, good job on this artwork. Like, <laughs> I'll call that mm-hmm. artwork.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Cause it's not necessarily a picture of someone who just woke up without a filter, snapped it and posted it on there. Again, I'm gonna say that that's most of the case. And then another topic or another thing for social media, which I I think after listening to us talk, I, I might change my mind on this a bit, but I was saying that it has helped democratize what we find attractive. Whereas before it was, you know, what studio executives who got to decide now, anyone, anyone, and everyone is a content creator. However, we are now at the, um, I guess now we're stuck working against an algorithm. To Matt's yeah. example, right? Yeah. So Matt doesn't follow any of that, but Instagram has decided what Matt wants to see and what I want to see and what you want to see, and now yeah. that's the issue. Now we're fighting against that. Back in the day when Instagram was you know fresh and new, it was probably more, you know, democratic in that whatever you posted. You know, I think that back in the day it was. The earliest post was the one on top and that's it. They didn't, you didn't get to use hashtags, right? Mm -hmm. So, but the case is still that anyone can be a creator. And so that's why I think it's important to actively go through your social media, remove things that don't make you feel good, remove things that aren't aligned with who you are and actively seek out hashtags like body positivity, plus size bears, uh, whatever, whatever it is that, that, that either represents you or that you find attractive, go and do that. Um, I think there's a lot of work here to do in the community. And I think we've really just scratched the surface and I hope, I hope that in five, 10 years, things are going to be a lot
0: different. Mm-hmm. We got, a, we got a ways to go, but hopefully this podcast helps too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. You guys both had a lot of really great stuff uh, to share and I'm going to add to it because I have some things that go along the lines of that in regards to like social media is I, I can't remember when I did this, but I made a point of it. I think I mentioned it before, To actively curate my social media, not just for, you know, what I like to look at and watch, but also just like for my own mental health reasons. I think it was probably early pandemic where I was just like, this is not good. Like, this is not making me feel good. And if I don't feel good, what's the point of doing this? And my whole belief was like I want to feel good when I come when I do take the time to sit on Instagram I want to feel good when I'm on Instagram because like that's what that's for for me it's a it's a fun leisure thing I don't want it to like make me feel bad but a lot of people it makes them feel bad because they're looking at things that they don't have longing for it and that makes them feel sad instead of watching like you know silly husky videos um so what I did because I was like, you, Matt, like all there is on the discovery page was just like guys with ripped abs. And I'm like, I don't even like guys with ripped abs. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like them. But um, and I had this in my opener. But if you're fed something over and over and over and over and over again, you it kind of just ingrains in there. And you're like, okay, well, then you start liking one or you start liking this or one pops up like chances are, and then it just becomes this whole fulfilling cycle because the algorithm just keeps giving it to you. So you really have to make that conscious effort to go on and unfollow all the accounts that make you feel sad or bad about yourself, follow accounts that make you feel good about yourself, and then also like a bunch of photos that are completely different. I remember I went on this like husky binge because they're just like wild dogs and they talk a lot. And I liked a couple of photos and I noticed I saw in my algorithm, all of a sudden I was getting fed these videos. And so it's like, aha, uh-huh, okay, so I need to actively curate what I want to see. And I can't just aimlessly scroll and kind of like things. And so that's what I've been doing at, like for the past couple of years is like really focusing on like what I want to see and what I want to have represented in my feed. And like, I do, it's like, it's so crazy and stupid because it's like, I like bigger, huskier, thicker guys, yet I'm not allowed to be that in my head. And I'm like, why do I have this belief inside of myself that it's like, I find this so attractive, but I'm not allowed to be that because that's what the world tells me. Well, that's what I've been fed, and that's what's ingrained mm. in my mind. And so, I do. I've gone and like fought, found like those Instagram accounts of like the bigger guys who are like representing or the bigger people, and like people that I find not just aesthetically pleasing, but like they have like something to say. They're funny. It's not just the same selfie again and again and again and again and again because <laughs> that gets so mm-hmm. boring so quickly. Um, but like they're they have a comedy thing or they have a like, whatever it is gets added to it, but that takes conscious effort to do. And so that's one of the things that I do to actively work on, you know, my relationship to social media, I don't watch any, like news or any kind of like aimless TV or anything like that. I'm very specific and conscious about what I watch and what I consume. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the other things that you know, kind of came to my mind while this conversation was going on is that, you know, there's also this mentality or this belief system that it's like, oh, if you just eat right and you go to the gym, you'll lose a lot of weight and you'll look a lot better. And maybe that's true. But I also want to challenge that because there is a lot of science coming out around the study of the gut and the like microbiota that live inside of us where (laughs) the programming that they have might be that you cannot lose weight, that you are a heavy person. And here's an example. Um, There was this, not so much a study, but this woman uh, had a condition uh, called C. diff, and she needed to have a what they call a fecal microbial transplant. And so they needed somebody's healthy, you know, poop to like, (laughs) put in her so that she wouldn't die. And so they used the daughter because it was like, you know, genetically, they're like, Oh, this is the closest thing genetically. And so they did it, but the daughter was overweight, like, like, pretty overweight. And the person who the mom who got it ended up gaining within the next couple of weeks over 40 pounds. And so it brought about these questions of not only is eating healthy and doing these things, but what microbes are living inside of you? And what are they programmed to do? Mm. And so it's not just oh, go to the gym. Like, why can't this large person just go to the gym and get healthier? Because that's not the whole story. That's what we've been sold. And that might be the paint, the picture that's been painted for us. But that's Mm -hmm. not the whole truth. And it, it made me feel better about when I had gone to the gym and I tried, I fucking worked my ass off to have abs and just nothing I did ever got me there. And I could feel them. I was like, these things are strong as fuck. Like I can feel them, but they always have like a thick blanket over them. And that's just the way my body is because that's the microbes that I have inside of me that they're like, no, this is what we need to survive. And that like, you know, we're just starting to jump into that science. So I just wanted to put that out there into all the listeners um, that it's not just like, a, oh, well, if you just change this one thing or that thing, it doesn't work for everybody. Your personal story doesn't mean it can be the same for everybody around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So going back to the question, do you actually work on changing your relationship with media and social media How it, and how it affects you? Yes, I'm always constantly actively curating my feeds I don't go on apps that made me make me feel bad like I've completely left Twitter because that's just a troll fest and just like (laughs) horrible people saying horrible things I really do think that there should be as much as I don't want you know overstepping I really do think that it's like places online where you have to prove who you are and be who you are will create a safer space because trolls are only trolls because they can hide behind a keyboard and they have three followers and they can say whatever the fuck they want, but words still hurt. And that Mm -hmm. kind of shit still hurts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like if we had a space where you have to be yourself, people are gonna be less likely to say those awful things because there will be repercussions as there should be. Don't say, don't be a shitty person. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so we're moving into our last, Mm -hmm. our last thing here is what, if any, are the things that you try to do to be a part of the change around body representation? And what have you tried to work on to actively shift these things, not only in your life, but in the outside world so that we can make that Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
1: Matt, how about you kick things off? I want to just um say something about what you said about how you don't like you you guys with abs. It's really interesting cuz I hear that quite a bit and it's um I kind of feel that feels similar actually and I've had an interesting um I I've, I've had sex with very very fit guys and I've had sex with guys that aren't as fit and I've noticed that it actually feels better like in the actual act of sex to have more it's softer right a guy that has like ripped pecs ripped abs and a lot of muscle like it's hard right oh and yeah it, it doesn't <laughs> feel good like to have a hard body pushing up against you so um more just cushion for the pushing, more cushion <laughs> for the pushing. yeah yeah but i will say and i will expose myself a bit here because i i do believe in sharing you know the the parts of us that maybe have preference and um But I want to first, before I share that, is say that I see a very distinct difference between preference and prejudice. And one definitely can lead into the other, but not all the time. Um, I think it's very normal and natural for human beings to have preferences. And I do prefer guys that are lean, leaner. Like I'm not attracted to overweight men. Um, And I feel like um, the more and more work that I do though on exposing my unconscious biases which is what we're talking about today like how media has impacted our brain and conditioned us to believe certain things the more and more that i challenge that the more and more i start to focus on the other areas right the physical the mental the emotional and the spiritual they all get included in um But I also want to I don't want to like come across today like I'm like some perfect person who is accepting of all people and I love all people and I'm attracted to all people. That's not the case. I have preferences and uh, it's very important for me to have those preferences and own them and know what I want and know what turns me on. However, I will say I've had to get very clear with myself and do a lot of deconditioning and focus on a, a lot of my unconscious biases. What is informing my preferences? where is that coming from and that inv- involves age body type race it involves all of these things right and i think it's really uh important to understand the intention behind why you prefer certain things and then you'll you might r- recognize in your preferences there might be prejudice present right then that's what you want to start to work with so um i wanted to just to just say that so um and i will say that over identifying with the physical we we come from a we come from a community that is obsessed with age, right? And as you said, um, and I'll say obsessed with youth, um, and I think it's really important to um, recognize where that comes from, and it comes from an over identification with the physical, right? And I, I one of the other motivators, other than people having my power of why I wanted to do this work, is because I don't want to get to I don't want to become a mature adult in my older years and then have to start doing this work when it's forced upon me, right? As my body changes, as I, right? I don't, I don't want that. I want to do it now. I want to learn how to value each, each quadrant of who I am now. And I think that's the important part of this work, because I really think that over-identifying with the physical is a major contributor to ageism in our community right? We see somebody that their body or they have wrinkles or they have gray hair or whatever it might be. And we undervalue that because it's like, we've attributed that to being a a a uh, decreasing uh, attractiveness, but it's just a story, right? It's a story that we've told that we've bought into uh, because we've over-identified with the physical, right? So I've had to learn how to like, love the energy as well as the body, right? The energy of who we are, the soul nature of who we are, it inhabits the body, right? And but the body isn't everything. And when I when I was hardcore into fitness, and I was projecting all this stuff onto everybody else, I had a hard time seeing people that weren't conventionally attractive, as attractive, for that exact reason. Right. And then I, I you know, again, doing a lot of this work and understanding demisexuality and, and working with energy. Now I can I, I feel like I have a more of an equal um placement on what i find attractive like i've really drawn to people's energy and i'm not going after guys that are conventionally attractive anymore it's like you know if he happens to be conventionally attractive and his soul energy is so beautiful great right but i don't i don't put all the chips in in that one place anymore so um and then some practical tips for people like stop putting people, attractive people on pedestals, right? Like stop, just stop it. Stop putting white people on pedestals, right? If you're, if you're a person of color, it's like, stop putting white ripped you know, abdominant people on pedestals. And I, I and that's that's the work we need to do. You can't expect the person who's put on the pedestal to jump off the pedestal. The, who wouldn't want to be put on a pedestal? <laughs> right. It's you, the person that is putting them yeah. on the pedestal that needs to reclaim that power, right? And take that back. And I think that's the work that our community needs to do. We need to stop giving power to people who haven't earned it other than their parents creating them and giving them attractiveness right like there's not a lot of merit to that to someone being attractive like you didn't do anything to earn that right so why are we putting putting that so much on a pedestal um so something to think about sorry i want to also just say that yes
0: but we also don't need to do it in a mean or negative way oh 100 that's what i see sometimes is that it's like it's the pendulum swings and it's like in a negative anger way it's like no you just can unfollow Exactly. Exactly. Just
1: quiet quit. (laughs) I fully agree. But I do. I will say that that, that's the birthplace of change. You look at human beings and it's like we have to get feisty sometimes and our shadow has to come out in order for us to be convicted in our truth. And that's just that's just highlighting that we don't quite feel convicted in our truth. So we need to amplify it with anger and and aggression and fire you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it will eventually lead to that but i do agree with you if you have the consciousness to be able to lead with more tact and and kindness then go for that approach it's always going to lead to better things but um what else do i have here yeah and again intention behind your participation in thirst traps right um like why are you commenting on this person's thirst trap Like, you know, are you looking to get their attention so that they'll reach out to you and you guys can have some sort of connection? Well, maybe you just DM them instead, (laughs) right? Instead of just giving them external validation or so, again, always looking at the intention behind your behavior. Why am I doing this? Um, And what sort of impact is me doing this going to have on the person who's receiving this from me? Right. And and I'm not saying it's always going to be wrong because as we've highlighted in this episode, like it's amazing feeling desired and attractive and sexy. Like that's a good feeling. So we don't want to rob someone of that experience, but we want to get clear about the intention of why we're doing something. I just think it'll lead to better um, awareness of self. And, uh, and that might be part of reclaiming the power of putting people on pedestals. It's like, okay, well, I'm not just going to give this person um, the ego praise or the attention that they're seeking. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to encourage them to go inside and do the work right to feel worthy. So but it's a tricky space, right? It's very gray. This is a gray space we're talking about here. So it's it's going to be discernment in each moment, as opposed to just making blanket statements and placing that over top. It's you can't really do it like that. Everything's so intricate and dynamic in in the space we're talking about today. But mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah, those were I loved all those. Those were really great, Matt. Thanks for bringing up a lot of stuff, a lot yeah, of stuff you. in that last little bit. Um, Michael, what what do you what says you? Yeah. Adding to that, I, I think
2: what we see, guys, is in our Facebook group, the Game On's Brother Facebook group, we see this play out uh, when people post their intro photos. Mm-hmm. Right. So people I lose think their mind. <laughs> right. Like people, it's very triggering for a lot of people. So what happens is I think it's not necessarily just about taking people off a pedestal, if that's what you want to use, but it's more so about like giving the appreciation and acknowledgement to more people people or, or different people right because mm-hmm. what happens is hot using air quotes for the listeners hot people show up young uh you know you can see that they have some kind of muscle whatever they get like all the likes. Oh, hi, hey, welcome <laughs> that's all good and then like other guy shows up who's not that um and there's a few but welcome likes and all these things right and then but it just goes to show that You know watch what you're watch who you're commenting on i'm not saying don't comment on the first guy
0: and and yes comment on the second guy but like say how to both Mm -hmm. like why are we choosing one but not the other i will add to this because like you said earlier michael A lot of this behind the scenes is also the algorithm because Facebook knows this person gets traction and it wants to keep you on the platform. So it feeds you that young, attractive person so that you will communicate and like it. And the other person just doesn't get fed into the algorithm. So it's not even just sometimes it's like sometimes it is going out of your way to look at the other photos to engage with those and not just the ones you've been fed on your feed. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I- No, no, that's that's exactly right. It's an active,
2: everything that we're talking about here requires activity and intention on your part. It's not just gonna happen, change just doesn't happen on its own. You gotta really think that your eyes and your clicks have power. Mm -hmm. And when you can own that power, then you can start to divvy it up the way that is maybe more fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to just say that. So now the, to the question what what are the things that I try to do to be part of the change here? So there's two. one is maybe more indirect and one is extremely direct. but um, I take my my role as a content creator very seriously I take a lot of responsibility for that, even though it doesn't always seem like it, I'm sure um, So in my marketing, when I started my business, I made a very, very deliberate choice that I was going to use a diverse range of images in my marketing, not just with body, but even with age and race as well. So if you, if you follow any of my work, you'll see that I include people of color, different body types, different ages, and in any of my marketing materials, my workbooks and whatnot. And I'll say this as well. When I first started, it was very hard to find that. Like I would spend a very long time looking for images purposefully, intentionally of like Two non-white, like a non-white gay couple, like just where both of them are not white, can like where they're happy and in love. Like, can we find some of that? I'm looking for some stock photos here. Very, very hard to find. Now these days, it's quite a bit easier. So I will say mm-hmm. there has been progress and, and I'm happy to see that. So that's the indirect way. Um, the direct way is, this is exactly what I teach and coach as a, as a teacher, facilitator, coach. So I currently am, am doing the sexual empowerment 101 workshops and literally module one or workshop one is about conditioning <laughs> mm. and workshop two is about body positivity and how to feel sexy in your body. And so the whole purpose, there's six, there's six altogether, but the whole purpose of these first two is finding and learning all of these conditions that we have and exposing them, not judging them or shaming them, but just exposing them so we can see them. And then learning that sometimes you have to value yourself the parts of your body, your appearance, that the mainstream media doesn't. You have to kind of find that within yourself first. And it's all about learning that, of course, at the very top of it is that self-esteem does not come from your body parts, which is kind of what we talked about here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in those groups, we we talk about our experiences. We we actually, the activity for that module is to do a social media cleanse. So I have everyone go do that. And then what I have them do is come back to the, the group and bring a one body positive or sex positive social media accounts. So they have to go out and actively search for it and then bring it to the group. And so by the end of it, by the end of that workshop, we all have 15 more or 15 new accounts that we could follow if we so choose. So, you know, we also do a sexy selfie exercise, which, you know, is a lot of fun for some people, but it's also very triggering for others. And the point of that is not to take like a half naked sexy selfie, although you can, if you want, but the point of that is to, is to reframe what sexy means to you, right? Like Sure. It could be that like half naked guy. That's fine. I'm not saying no to that. But for me, it could also be as an example. There's nothing I find sexier than a guy reading a book, especially these days when I see most people just doing this. But if I see a guy reading a book, I'm just like, babe, Mm -hmm. Bay magnet. I don't care what he's reading. He's mm-hmm. reading with his eyeballs, not on a phone alone. Like, oh my God, I'm just like smitten. Mm-hmm. So that to me is an example of something I find sexy that the mainstream media would not necessarily portray sexy. So again, the, the point of these exercises is to redefine that and then share a sexy selfie. So that is the very, very direct way that I'm contributing. At, and I would say you guys as well. Uh, With this podcast and our group and everything that we do in our courses, healing your shame. We talk a lot about this, building better relationships and all of the the awesome content in our coaching collection. So Mm -hmm. I think we are all very directly contributing to that, but there's a lot more to be done. And I will say as well, like, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning as I go as
0: well. Mm hmm. Mm hmm oh i love these you guys it's been mm. such a good spicy little episode of like yeah i like the feistiness that we've had i really like uh the things that you just shared michael and we we have we did i remember when we started the gmb we very consciously actively were like in the rules like no shirtless selfies no sexy beach kind mm-hmm. of speedo selfies because we yeah. didn't want the default to be go to where you're comfortable which is sexually objectifying gay men we mm-hmm. wanted to get into the deeper parts. And it's like, if you want to post a selfie, great, but you have to be wearing your shirt. It can't, you know, and people fought against that and pushed against that. And like, true, yeah, which we don't want to, we don't want like, but it's like, but because of what we're trying to create, we need to go far over here first before we can explore those other parts because that's the easy part for you, which is why you want to go there. Um, so yeah, it's doing those those little things that makes the difference. Um mm-hmm. For me, I don't necessarily do any big things, I would say. um, I kind of just do it in my everyday. Like, you know, I support Sam Smith, love Sam Smith. And all the people that I see that I love, I make a point to yell louder. You know, like, yell louder about loving Lizzo. Yell louder about loving Sam Smith. You'd love, like, yell louder about these people that I want to celebrate and these different shapes and bodies that I want to celebrate. um, And little things, like, I had this interaction where... There's something called the Red Hot 100. Do you guys know what that is? Where it's the redheaded guys and they have like a redheaded calendar and it's all Mm. okay. Uh, So it's been around for a number of years. And I can't remember this guy who created it, but he's a redhead as well. And so he wanted to create sexiness from redheads because it was like growing up, it was like kick a ginger day and we were like soulless. And like, Mm. it was always that kind of thing that came along with being a redhead, especially like over in Europe, it's very different, you know, as well. Um, And so he created this Red Hot 100, which is basically gay men, because I think he's gay. Um, And it's all like ripped sexy gingers, but it was to like sexify redheads. So people were like, yes, you know, we can we can be sexy, too. Um, But now that that's been going on for such a long time, they're doing another casting over in Europe. And my friend sent me the thing. He's like, oh, you should you should do this. I was like, girl, I gave up on that a long time ago because my body doesn't fit that. Like, I'm like that, yeah, that I would have loved to do that, but I don't categorize, I'm not categorized as what they want to promote. It's like you can be sexy ginger, but only if you look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, something simple as like, I just went on that one promo video and I was just like, oh, this is awesome, but can we like finally get some body representation in here? And it got the most likes out of all the comments, like right away. And so it's like, it's not anything big, but it's those little things where you're just like reminding people that it's like, I get it. This is your project. You can do whatever you want, but just know that there's other spaces where if you branched out and opened your mind enough to what other people think is sexy, not just what you think is sexy, because it's also not about just you. It's understanding that everybody has a different type. And just because you don't find this person attractive doesn't mean other people can't and so it's opening up that space to say yes other like everybody can like everybody and like giving that option and opening up those doors instead of gatekeeping and saying no just this um so that's kind of those little moments that i make conscious effort to say stuff like that or if i'm around friends and they make comments or they say something like self deprecating or whatever about themselves or about their body and whatnot, I make a conscious effort to go out of my way to kind of say nice things, not just directly stop them be like, you have to not think like that. But to make nice comments and to say like, everybody likes different things and to bring up these things so that they feel more seen of being like, Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, not everybody likes the same thing. Or I bring up my example of like, I like Husky guys. I like bigger guys. Like everybody has a different, you know, thought. You can't just think everybody likes this one thing because that's what we've been fed this whole time. So it's in those everyday moments that I like to make that kind of um, effort myself and just around the people that I'm around of. And like, just comment, like, like you said, Matt, everybody likes to be praised. Everybody likes to be seen and appreciated. And I do that. I play dodgeball on Mondays and I do that you know, on Mondays, when people say stuff about themselves, like, Oh, I'm not good, or not this, I'm like, Oh, you know, you're new, you're just learning all this. And that can go into the same with being, you know, body positive. It's like, you know, everybody likes a different type. I like these types, and and everything's different. So that's how I go about doing my, my little changes, just kind of like the everyday moments. Mm. All right. Well, I think this has been a very, it's very spicy. I've really enjoyed this episode. This is very, a lot of good stuff was said. Do you guys have anything you want to finish off with before we,
1: we close things down here? I want to say um, uh, just promote our coaching collection because we have four pillars in our coaching collection, uh, confidence, community relationships, and body positivity. And I think we have over 15 videos um, in the body positivity pillar that will guide you through this transformation you know what are, what are some of the I cr- i've created like uh, unconscious uh, healing unconscious bias um, unpacking sexual conditioning uh, healing your relationship with your body um, there's lots of them can you guys think of any ones that you created that were oh goodness off the top oh, yeah, of my I head
0: think... no i should have thought about this before we came in <laughs>
1: yeah. we there's have one lots, on
2: self-care though.
1: there's one on self-care, self-care for your body. body
0: self-care yeah there's lots of aspects yeah.
1: of that uh, yeah. there's a few though yeah yeah so if you're if you're looking and needing some some support some formal support moving through this transformation that's a good place to go mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah yeah we'll definitely have that in the show notes it's gaminggoingdeeper.com mm-hmm. for that if you want to check that out um michael you got anything no this has been a great
2: conversation i'm really happy we had it and Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think i think it'll be very insightful and hopefully triggering as
0: well yeah Mm -hmm. right it's always (laughs) triggering trust we get the comments (laughs) all right well if you've liked this episode and you've been watching on youtube please hit that subscribe button and hit the like button as well as the little bell it's gonna let you know every thursday when we put out new episodes and it really tells youtube that you like this and it tells youtube to send it to more people because talking about algorithms It's all about the algorithm. Um, And if you're listening on a podcast platform like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go and hit the star rating for us. We would love to get five stars, but if you don't believe we deserve it, that's cool, that's fine. And leave a comment for us as well because we always try and read all of those and we like getting them, especially on YouTube. And we'll read one out maybe if you leave it for us. So that's it for today. Have the best day ever, everybody. Peace, love rainbows. Bye. Hmm.